Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast, a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Each episode is taken from a chapel message given here at Emmaus. For more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. coming to the end of our semester. I realize that when I'm hearing these Christmas, uh, this Christmas music. But we're not only coming to the end of our semester, but we're coming to the end of our series on uh, the, uh, the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. And if you just listen to the verses that were read, you realize that the final thing that Paul mentions in this discussion on the armor of God is prayer. And so he says in verse 18, uh, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Now, if you look at this verse in this context, uh, you realize that for Paul, this is something that is very important. Prayer is something that is very, is very important. Uh, if, you, if you look at the verse as it was just read in the, in the ESV, uh, Paul does not use a, a regular finite verb. Uh, he uses a, a participle that indicates that this word pray is connected with the whole context of our passage. Uh, now, the NIV, the, uh, the New American Standard, uses the command, pray at all times. But Paul actually is saying, praying uh, at all times uh, in the spirit. Uh, he connects this word praying with all that we have just read in the in the previous context. Praying at all times. Doing what? Praying. Well, everything that he's just said. Uh, putting on the, harm, the armor of God. Uh, standing in the battle. You are to do all of these things. Praying in the spirit. Now, why do we need prayer? We need prayer because of the spiritual battle that we have been talking about all semester. Uh, we are not sufficient in ourselves. The enemy is strong. The battle is fierce. And we will be defeated if we are just left by ourselves. We need prayer. God has given us all of the resources that we need. He's given us the armor of God. He's given us the truth as a belt around the waist. He's given us righteousness to protect the chest, the gospel, as the shoes on your feet, faith as the shield, salvation as a helmet to protect the head, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, these are all good, and these are important. These are vital. But the connection with verse 18 shows us that the armor of God is not sufficient in itself. I can know the truth. I can know all of the doctrine. I can know everything that we want you to learn in our classes on Bible and theology and everything 
that relates to the Christian life. I can know all of these things. I can be thoroughly orthodox, a defender of the, of the truth. And I can have great faith, but that's not enough. Paul is saying you can't fight the spiritual battles just with the truth and just with faith. You need prayer also. You need prayer also. Now, I've been one <laughs> that has been teaching the Bible. I want you to know the truth. I want you to know your, your Bibles. Uh, I've been spending my life teaching the word of God. But Paul is saying, truth is not enough. Truth is not enough. We need the power of God. We need the fellowship that comes from our relationship with God that comes through prayer. Now, when I read this and when I, when I think about this, for me, this is a hard truth. It is much easier for me to study than it is to pray. I find it easier to study for 15 hours than to pray for 15 minutes. Uh, it is easier for me to preach a sermon here on prayer than it is to pray. <clears throat> uh, if I come to a meeting late, 10 minutes late, uh, a business meeting, a faculty meeting or something, it's easy to say, hey, I've only missed the opening prayer. Uh, I haven't really missed anything important. Now, that's a tragedy to even think that way. But Paul is saying that unless our lives are characterized by prayer, our Christian life is deficient, and I am not going to be effective in the spiritual battle. I would also say that in our, unless our church is characterized by prayer, we are not going to be sufficient, and we are not going to accomplish great things for God the way we should. Now, when Paul says praying at all times in the spirit, uh, what is to characterize our prayer? You notice there are three things that uh, he says here. Uh, that is to characterize our prayer. He says, first of all, uh, the first thing that should characterize our prayer is petition, asking. He says, praying uh, at all times with all prayer and supplication. Some of our translation will say with all prayer and petition. The main thing that characterizes prayer is Asking, petition, it involves coming to God with our needs and asking him to meet those needs. Now, where do I get this idea that, that, that prayer mainly involves petition? Well, first of all, it comes from the, the words that are used for prayer. If you look at the words that are used for prayer, there are words like asking, petition, request, intercession, supplication. 
they all have the idea of asking. Uh, prayer in the Bible is mainly coming to God and asking him uh, for things. Secondly, when you look at the prayers in the Bible themselves, they are full of requests. Now, sometimes we think of, of worship, uh, confession, thanksgiving, and things like that as, as prayer, uh, but these are not really the fundamentals of prayer. Just because I bow my head, shut my eyes, fold my hands, uh, that does not mean I am specifically praying. Uh, the specifics of prayer is asking God for our needs. So first thing that says about prayer is that it involves petition. The second thing that he says is that prayer is to be at all times, at all times. Prayer is to be regular. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Do you pray that way? I wish, I really wish I did. The Lord Jesus would pray all night. He frequently withdrew from the busyness of ministry to go out by himself and to pray. And if you look at Paul's letters, he often says that he is constantly praying for the Christians in different churches. And you go through it in, in Rome, in Corinth, in Ephesus, in Philippi, in Colossae, in Thessalonica. He's praying for the specific individuals in all of these churches. Now, have you ever thought about how Paul, as busy as a person as he was, ever found the time to do that? Now, I can't prove this, but I think one of the ways that he found the time to be constantly praying so specifically for so many churches and for so many people is that he prayed while he traveled. Now, follow out Paul's missionary journeys. Most of the places that he went, he went on foot. He walked hundreds, hundreds, even thousands of miles in his preaching the gospel. Now, what did he do all of this time when he was walking? For instance, think about it. If you were walking from here to Chicago, how long would that take? And what would you do when you are out walking for that long a time. I think, I think that Paul would use that time praying. Think of how much time we would spend praying if we just prayed whenever we were alone in a car. I think one of our problems, at least it's my problem, is that we have too many distractions. We always have the radio on. We have the television on. Uh, 
we, are, we have our, our earphones in, we are listening to something. Uh, we have so many distractions. There are so many uh, electron. there's so much right there on the phone that, uh, that we're never really thinking, meditating, praying. Uh, li- we're always listening to music. And uh, so we are distracted. If we would just spend more time alone without those distractions, we could pray. We could pray. So prayer here, Paul says, first is petition. Secondly, it is at all times. And thirdly, he says that prayer is to be in the spirit. The third thing that characterized real prayer is that it was, that it is in the spirit. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to pray in the spirit? Well, I think that there are certain things, some fairly common things, which are not included in this statement, praying in the spirit. Uh, Mechanical repetition. Some prayers are just rote repetitions. There are millions that say their prayers. They rattle off rote prayers, memorized prayers. They go through their, their beads, but all the time that they're doing this, their mind is somewhere else, and they think that they are doing something that God really values. The, the Lord Jesus called this vain repetition. Now, it's not just those who are ritualists that do this kind of thing. You can pray extemporaneously and still do it just as vain repetition. There there are some times in prayer meetings that you will hear the same person pray the same prayer using the same words every single week. That's just mechanical. Just mouthing words. That's not a prayer in the spirit. I remember, I remember a young man in Sunday school one time who was asked to pray. And so he stood up and he said, Lord, we thank you for this food. Oops. <laughs> what was he doing? He was just mechanically repeating what he always did. But his mind was really in neutral. You ever find yourself doing something Like that? Uh, That's not praying in the spirit. In Japan, they have prayer wheels. You write your prayer on a wheel, and then you spin the wheel, and your prayer is made. So each spin of the wheel represents a, a prayer. You don't even have to say the words. Now, wouldn't that be an easy way to pray? We could set up a wind gauge on the top of Emmaus with all kinds of prayers here. We write out our prayers, and the wind would turn it continuously, 
and this place would be energized with the power of God. <laughs> now, that isn't real prayer. That isn't prayer in the spirit. Another way I think that uh, we pray that is not a prayer in the spirit is when we pray just to impress other people. Uh, the Lord said that the Pharisees would pray long prayers in the marketplace to be seen by men. Now, you would never do that, would you? I would never do that, would I? Well, fact is that we are too easily influenced by our, our flesh, and uh, we may pray just to have a reputation for spirituality. Maybe we pray just to impress a certain young man or a certain young woman. I remember, I remember a, a girl telling me that she had, uh, that she, that, that somebody had asked her out and had heard, somebody had told them that uh, she really liked to pray with a person when he went out, when they went out together. And so this guy who had never prayed with a girl before said, could we pray together? That was just a pray to impress somebody. That isn't prayer, real prayer. Prayer in the spirit is prayer that is directed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in our hearts. We respond to God. We are burdened by our needs. We are burdened by the needs of others. Uh, we are burdened for the cause of Christ, and we go to God and ask him to, to, to meet our, our needs. Prayer in the Spirit is praying for those things that the Spirit wants us to pray for. Pray for. Prayer in the Spirit is prayer that uh, the Holy Spirit leads us to pray for. Prayer in the Spirit involves prayer where our hearts are open and sincere before God. Now, what are we to pray for? What are we pr to pray for? Uh, when you look at what Paul says here, he's not very specific, but he does give us a couple of things that we can note. First of all, he says uh, here... Um, to pray for, uh, uh, praying uh, for all of the, the saints here. Uh, pray for all of the saints, making supplication for all of the saints. Now, what is Paul saying? He's saying we need to pray for one another. We need to pray for one another. Now, that doesn't mean that it is wrong to to pray for yourself. The Bible is full of prayers where someone prays for himself for their own needs. But we do need to pray for one another. Now, in this context, Paul's talking about the, the spiritual battle, the spiritual warfare, uh, the spiritual armor that we need. And he's saying that we need to pray for one another in the midst of this same spiritual battle. We are all weak and insufficient in ourselves. We cannot stand alone. We need to be 
battling with one another and praying with one another and supporting one another in this spiritual battle. Now, I think that this is a very important point because we live in a society, we live in a Christian culture uh, where there is a lot of individualism, uh, the spiritual life, the life that is pleasing to God is often thought of as very personal and individual. Uh, my personal Bible study, my personal prayer life, my personal devotions. Now, we don't go off into the desert like the monks did, but uh, our concept of the devotional life is very, very much me alone before God. But that's not New Testament Christianity. The church is a body where each one of us, each member of the body is closely related to everyone else. And if I have a need, uh, if you have a need, I need to be involved in your needs and you need to be involved in my needs and we can help one another through prayer. What happens when we pray? For one another, well, one thing that happens is that God answers prayer. He uses those prayer to accomplish his, his, his purpose, purposes. Uh, we're not strong enough alone. Uh, we need one another. And God said that he will hear my prayer for you and he will hear your prayer for me. And therefore, we should do that. Uh, another value of praying for one another, it helps us learn that we are not alone in all of our struggles and trials. Uh, in Paul, in Galatians 6, Paul says that we are to bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burden. How do I do that? Well, one of the ways that I can do that is for, for prayer, is through prayer. How do you help a person who is grieving? I have a friend in Des Moines who just lost his wife this week. Now, how can, I, how can I help him, encourage him? Now, in a situation like that, you can have a few close friends who will come and actually spend time with that person. But you can't have 100 people stopping by his house uh, calling every day and consuming that person's time continually. What can we do? We all can pray for one another. We can pray for one another. When we pray together, I am not alone. I learn that my problems are not unique. We help one another through, through prayer. So Paul is saying pray for one another. And he not only says pray for one another, you notice he says uh, pray for me, verse 19, uh, making supplication for all of the saints and also for me. So Paul here is saying that he wants them to pray for him. Now, Paul was a strong Christian. And for years, God had used him in a, mightily, in a mighty way. But he still says, pray for me. 
Pray on my behalf that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now what I find intriguing here is what Paul didn't ask them to pray for. You notice he says, I am an ambassador in chains. He was in prison. Pray for me. Pray that I will be able to get out of prison. No, that's not what he prayed for. Uh, now, there would have been nothing wrong with a prayer like that. Uh, in, in Acts chapter 12, Peter was in prison, and the church was praying that Peter, Peter would be able to get out of, of prison. But that's not what Paul was asking for. And furthermore, Paul had a lot of health problems. Uh, but he didn't pray uh, for, ask them to pray for his health. And again, I would say there's nothing wrong in praying for health or release from physical pain and suffering. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about uh, his thorn in the flesh, which was some kind of physical affliction that really pained him greatly. And he said that he asked three times for the Lord to take that away before the Lord finally said, uh-uh. So it's not wrong to pray for those things. But that's not what Paul asked for because for him, there was something even more important. Paul did not ask them to pray for anything that had to do with him, his own personal needs and situation. Uh, what did he ask them to pray for? He asked them to pray for him as his life related to the glory of God and the spread of the gospel. Paul wanted an opportunity to preach the gospel. Now, he had been doing that for his whole life since the day of his conversion. But he asks here, what does he ask for? He asks that, uh, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. He wanted God to give him boldness that he might speak the good news of Jesus Christ and that he might have the opportunity and the words to preach effectively for Christ. You see what Paul's passion was? He wanted people to be saved. He wanted people to be saved. And he knew that Men and women were lost without a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ. He wanted Christ to be glorified as men and women came to faith in him. So Paul here is praying that God would enable him to minister the gospel. This was his real concern. Uh, I want the Savior to be glorified both in my life and in the lives of others. So pray for me. Pray for me. I think a month or two ago, there was a 
there was a, a pipeline that was shut down that went to the southeast and uh, they were not able to, uh, there were gas lines, they were not able to transport the gas there, gasoline the way they normally did. It reminded me back in long, long ago, 19, the 1970s, that there was an oil boycott by the Arab countries and in those days, we had long, long gas lines, and people were talking about an energy crisis. Now, do we have an energy crisis? Do we have an energy crisis in our country? Do we have an energy crisis in the world? We have no shortage of energy. The sun pours down onto this earth more energy every day than the earth could possibly use. If you look at the tides of the ocean, there is more energy there. If only we knew how to possibly use it. There is no shortage of energy. There's only our inability to, to use it. When it comes to our Christian lives, and our Christian warfare, the spiritual battle we are in, we have the energy we need. We have the power of God available to us. And one of the things that he tells us that is that that power becomes available to us through prayer. Now, I know that. And I have to ask myself, why do I not pray more? Why are our prayer meetings at church so poorly attended? Why don't we pray more together? If you look at the book of Acts, it says right there in Acts chapter 2 that the early church was characterized by the apostles' doctrine, by fellowship, by uh, the, uh, oh, come on, uh, Apostles' Doctrine, fellowship, uh, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Those four things. Many of our churches are characterized by, good churches characterized by the Apostles' Doctrine, by fellowship by worship, the breaking of bread. How many of our churches are characterized by prayer? How many of our churches are characterized by prayer? How many of our lives are characterized by prayer? So Paul is saying for us, Paul is saying, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. May God lead us to pray more, to pray more. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that we can come to you. We can come to you boldly. We can come to you boldly with our needs. We can come to you boldly with the needs of others and that you will hear us and that you will answer us. We do pray that we would be involved in this spiritual warfare uh, 
aggressively as you want us to be. But we pray that we would also keep in close touch with you as we are doing this through prayer. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu slash partner.